Hi, I'm Jackie Gleets with J&H Farms in Waller, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. This is Texas Ag Today, the number one source for the latest news in Texas agriculture. The largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State covers it all. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Here's today's top stories. Getting the timing right for fertilizing wheat can influence yield results. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Lawmakers have introduced a bill requiring labels for imitation meat and poultry. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. The popularity of local vegetable production with chain stores and the popularity of farmers markets in Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more on the popularity of these two marketplaces for farmers straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. Now... Here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up? We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. Be sure to hold on tight because it all starts right now. The El Nino weather pattern has brought great rain to much of Texas. But Cattlefax meteorologist Matt Macon says we shouldn't get used to it. At last week's cattle industry convention in Orlando, Macon's told cattle producers this El Nino is about done. It's already peaked. It's on the way out. It's normal for these events, whether it be La Nino or El Nino, they kind of peak in the winter and then they weaken. They're kind of a winter phenomenon. On one side, it's not unusual to say, well, El Nino's done. But I say it with a connotation of, hey, El Nino's done. Okay, Matt's insinuating something else is happening. In this case, La Nina is going to come racing back at us. So our window of moisture here is pretty limited with this current El Nino, which is on the way out. So if El Nino is on the way out, that means the drier La Nina weather pattern is coming back soon. And the last time it was here, it hung around for a while. Yeah, it was three years, which has only happened a couple of other times since 1950. So to get a three-year event, La Nina-wise, that's hard. I mean, that's hard to do just physically in the weather world, but it's also hard on us as producers to deal with that for three years because Oklahoma, Texas, that's bad drought when that happens. The bottom line is that a short El Nino broke the drought for a while, but we should be preparing for it to come back soon. Since 1998, La Nina is far more frequent stronger and last longer. With that in mind, as we enter this next La Nina, we're in a a decadal period where it may stay for two, if not three years. So Matt, what's in the forecast for the upcoming months? I'm optimistic through April to get these frequent storms coming in. Once we hit May, June, July, I think we see that precip pattern shift north quickly and stay to the north next year rather than coming back down like we had this year so capitalize in whatever way you can on the water coming over the next i call it short term but next few months and when that dry weather hits it'll hit us here in texas first we'll see the first signs from here and from our friends and neighbors in texas they're going to say you know late this spring or the summer they're going to say we haven't had rain in x days and those numbers are going to grow and then we're going to see 
maybe not a hot summer, but that will come later on. So what we're going to see is this moisture starts to fade, and then we start to scratch our head and say, wow, it's been a month since we've had rain. And that's just the growth of this La Nina and the growth of the drought coming back. That's Matt Makins, Cattle Facts meteorologist, talking weather at last week's Cattle Industry Convention in Orlando. Getting the timing right for fertilizing wheat can have an effect on yields. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo. In producer education meetings around the Texas High Plains, Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Calvin Trossel has been advising farmers a late winter application of nitrogen to their wheat can be more effective than waiting until the spring. Dr. Trossel says it's a matter of coordinating the timing of top dressing with a critical growth stage for wheat. For wheat, down inside that lower stem is the growing point. It has been producing leaves since it was planted. We reach a point in the Texas High Plains, this would typically be from about maybe in the range of the last few days of February to possibly mid-March up against the Oklahoma Panhandle, when that growing point switches from producing another leaf to now going into reproductive growth, which is the development, the initiation of the head that will become the head of grain. That head of wheat consists of spikelets, and then you have seeds per spikelet. So especially the yield potential impact from timely applied and available nitrogen is especially in spikelet number. A wheat head that has 16 spikelets has a modest yield potential. A wheat head that has 22 spikelets has a higher yield potential. And the growing point differentiation is when that wheat head is determining over a period of about seven, maybe at most 10 days, the number of spikelets per head. And so that's at a time when you want to ensure that you do not have a lack of nitrogen Tomorrow, Dr. Calvin Trossel of AgriLife talks more about timing nitrogen application, including how to identify when a wheat crop is jointing. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Lawmakers have introduced a bill requiring labels for imitation meat and poultry. Jessica Domel has more. A bipartisan bill introduced in Congress last week would require plant-based and cell-cultured alternative meat products to carry a label clearly indicating to consumers that the products do not contain real meat or poultry. The Fair Labels Act of 2024 was introduced by Senator Roger Marshall of Kansas and Representative Mark Alford of Missouri. Senator Marshall said the bicameral legislation aims to boost transparency and clarify labeling requirements for plant protein and cell-cultured protein products so that consumers have the full picture when buying groceries for themselves and their families. He said it's pretty simple. If food is represented as meat or poultry, but it is either lab-grown or made from a plant protein, it should be displayed on the label. The senator said, as meat alternatives with misleading names continue to appear on shelves, we need to do more to ensure the transparency of imitation meat versus the real farm-raised meats. The House version of the bill is co-sponsored by Representatives Roger Williams of Texas, Jonathan Jackson of Illinois, and Don Davis of North Carolina. 
Congressman Williams said he is proud to lead the effort to ensure that as the imitation and lab-grown products industry grows, they are held to the same standards as traditional meat products. The Fair Labels Act sets definitions for imitation meat and imitation poultry. It would require plant-based meat and substitute protein products to be labeled as imitation meat or use another word that clearly conveys the food is derived from sources other than meat. The label would also be required to include a disclaimer that the product does not contain meat or poultry. The bill requires cell-cultured protein products to have a label indicating it is cell-cultured or lab-grown. The U.S. Department of Agriculture and the Food and Drug Administration would oversee the labeling and inspection standards. The legislation is supported by the Texas Farm Bureau, American Farm Bureau Federation, National Cattlemen's Beef Association, National Chicken Council, American Sheep Industry, National Pork Producers Council, and the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Chain stores across Texas provide a good market for locally grown vegetables. Tom Nicoletti reports. As farmers in Texas begin planting vegetables this spring, they know they have a good market in chain stores across the state. Clegg Smith is area business manager for Gowan's Seed Company. If you look at the marketplaces in the in the chain stores, you're starting to see a lot more local productions. People want to see a picture of maybe who the grower was, what location he's in. They're looking for Texas-grown produce. It just makes sense that people want to buy from something that's local. I don't know that we've demonstrated that they're willing to pay more for it yet, but they certainly want to see that it's grown locally and they like to put a face with the product. They still want to say, so who is this grower? What does he look like? It's interesting when they do those specialty in the stores and they put up a nice little pack and they demonstrate who the grower was. I think people flock to that. I think it's a nice segment. Another aspect of the vegetable industry is the continued popularity of farmers markets, roadside stands here in the state. It scratches an itch for a lot of people, again, to take it a step further, not only being able to see the grower himself, who's probably walking around that market, or maybe his wife and his kids. It's just a great story, right? But they can actually look back 300 yards and see the actual field where stuff is grown, and they can see the tractor sitting there. Again, you know it's local, and you know it's fresh, and you can kind of put a face to a name. Another one of the big draws is generally... Um, one of the growers brought up that uh, if you buy a watermelon from him and you take it home and it's not what you wanted, uh, they bring it back to him. He doesn't want that person in the community going around and telling people, hey, that fruit wasn't good. You bring it back to him, they're probably going to give you another one. They're give, give me another chance. I, I've got you know good product here. I want you to be happy. That is Clegg Smith. He is with Gowan Seed out of Weatherford. I'm Tom Nicoletti for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Burning has been used for years to rejuvenate grasslands. Burning pastures or hayfields as a means of managing excess residue is commonly practiced in the southern U.S. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. And using beef bulls on dairy cows is becoming more popular. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up. These stories plus a look at the markets are straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. 
Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're making Texas agriculture great again. This is Texas Ag Today. Burning has been used for years to rejuvenate grasslands. Forage specialist Dr. Vanessa Olson says it's still used in parts of the southern U.S. Burning is carried out for a variety of reasons. To remove excessive vegetation, to increase plant productivity, to control weeds and insects, and to reduce diseases where dead biomass could host pathogens. Forage producers commonly use burning to stimulate vegetative growth of unproductive or heavily weed-infested pastures. Burning is an inexpensive, labor-efficient means of removing unwanted residues or vegetation before forage breaks dormancy. Keep in mind that burning might not be the only management tool needed to control invasive species in a pasture. Prescribed burning must be integrated with grazing management to gain the full benefits. Combining the appropriate stocking rate and rest periods with prescribed burning will allow the desirable vegetation to be competitive and help reduce the encroachment of many undesirable plants. Prescribed burning is planned to achieve a specific objective in a specific area under appropriate conditions at the right time of the year. This will require equipment and a crew to keep the fire under control. A prescribed burn will require some planning to meet certain management goals. A properly planned and executed prescribed burn can be a very effective management tool for pastures or hayfields. Occasional burning of pastures can be an economical and effective management tool. However, repeated long-term burning of pastures can have a permanent negative effect on soil quality and overall soil health. Prescribed burning can be dangerous if improperly or carelessly done. Even if a landowner obtains a fire permit, they are still liable for any damages or suppression costs that could occur because of the burn, including fire damages or problems created by smoke. Take precautions and appropriate measures before, during, and after burning to reduce any risk. Get help before you burn. Contact your local Forest Service office and or your local Extension office for more information on planning and executing a prescribed burn of a pasture or hayfield. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in Overton for Texas Ag Today. Using beef bulls on dairy cows is becoming more popular, but Dr. Bob Judd says there are some challenges. Dr. Dan Thompson from Iowa State indicates that their genetics have improved significantly in the past few years. They grade out well, and they are a consistent, steady supply of feeder calves. However, there are some disparities between the lives of full-blooded beef calves and their beef-on-dairy cousins before they reach the feedlot. When beef calves are born, they usually get vaccinated with clostridial vaccines and an intranasal vaccine on day one, and then are vaccinated again at about four months of age. Calves growing up in the dairy production system are treated differently, and the concern is that beef-on-dairy calves may be over-vaccinated. Beef-on-dairy calves are experiencing lots of bovine respiratory disease, or BRD, and are having just as much disease as beef calves that have never been vaccinated. Dr. Thompson indicated that during the first three months of life, calf, ranch, raised calves may received up to 20 vaccinations, including vaccines for BRD and clostridial diseases, pink eye and GI diseases. Every vaccine stimulates the immune system, and there is a concern that calves could be receiving too many vaccines. Some ranches vaccinate the calves with multiple vaccines five times before they are 60 days old, 
and this is a lot of stress. Some vaccines can also alter the microbiome in the calf's nasal cavity and may permanently alter their natural defenses against bacteria. Dr. Thompson indicates that it may be better to move the focus away from vaccination and focus on four different protocols, and the first one starts with colostrum ingestion. The others are to screen for bovine viral diarrhea, provide adequate nutrition, and decrease stress, and avoid transportation of young calves. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We'll check the markets coming up next on Texas Ag Today. National FFA Week is February 17th through the 24th, a week set aside for FFA students across the country to share how FFA impacts members every day. I'm National FFA Secretary Grant Norfleet from Missouri. What better way to show your support of FFA than to get involved in FFA Week? Whether it's in person, on the phone, or via social media, be sure to share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week, February 17th through the 24th. We're heard on over 140 great Texas radio stations. This is Texas Ag Today on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. After trading sharply higher on Tuesday, the cattle complex traded lower on Wednesday. Analysts say traders may be waiting to see what develops in the cash market this week. February live cattle down 77 cents to 182.22. April live cattle down $1.27 to $184.80. June live cattle down $0.92 cents to $182.20. March feeder cattle down $1.12 to $245.55. April feeder cattle down $0.50 cents to $251.20. May feeder cattle down $0.42 cents to $255.90. Boxed beef was higher, choice up $1.39 to $295.46. Select up 35 cents to 284.95. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Gary Butler, Nixon Livestock, sells them every Monday. Gary, how was your last sale? I uh, had another good sale, Larry. Uh, wind up with 935 head, uh, a few more than I expected, 87 cows and 17 bulls. Uh, calf market still considers to be strong, uh, continues to be strong. Uh, two and three weight steers, 328 to 410. Heifers, 272 to $4. Three and four weight steers, 309 to 380. Heifers, 272 to $365. Four and five weight steers, 282.80 to $3. 45 heifers 245 to 310 five six weight steers dollar uh, 255 to 314 heifers 223 to 295 six and seven weight steers 226 to 278 heifers 208 to 275 seven eight weight steers in both yearlings two dollars to 246 and the heifers dollar 87 to 219 uh, on the cows larry we got uh 65 to $1.09 uh, Slaughter bulls ninety to a dollar twenty-four. Uh, stalker cows nine fifty to eleven hundred, and we had two pairs, and they both bring fourteen hundred. Are you aware of anything for this next Monday? Uh, I'm not aware of many coming, Larry. Uh, I know of a few, you know, ten and twenty uh, bunches coming, uh, but that's about it. I don't know any large uh, consignments coming, Larry. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Gary Butler. You can catch us here at cell one eight three zero five eight two. 1561 62. Uh, catch me on my mobile, 830 57 43 30, Larry. 
Neighbor, that's all the time we've got for Walking the Pins here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. That was Gary Butler. You're listening to us right this second on Texas Ag Today. February lean hogs down a dime to 73 at 37. April lean hogs down 15 cents to 81 at 10. Block and barrel cheese were both unchanged Wednesday. Block at $1.61 and barrel at $1.57. February class 3 milk fell 3 cents Wednesday to 16.23 a hundredweight. March class 3 milk down 8 cents to 17.37. We saw double-digit gains in the cotton market as the Dow Jones traded higher. March cotton up 93 points to 88.47. May cotton up 90 points to 89.30. December cotton up 53 points to 82.80. Corn traded lowered as rain is expected sometime soon in Argentina. And due to planting progress on Brazil's second corn crop, both of which are expected to increase our global supply of corn. March corn down four and a half to four thirty-four and a quarter. May corn down four to four forty-six and a half. September corn down four and a half to four sixty-three and a quarter. March hard red wheat down a quarter to six eighteen and a quarter. May hard red wheat even at six fifteen and three quarters. July hard red wheat up a half to six oh nine and a half. Soybeans traded lower Wednesday as investors and speculators finalized their positions ahead of USDA's release on Thursday of this month's World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates report. The rapid harvest pace of the soybean crop in Brazil and rain in the forecast for Argentina also weighed on soybean trade. March soybeans down 10.5 to 11.89. March natural gas down 4 cents to 196. April natural gas down two cents to $1.98. March crude oil rose 50 cents Wednesday to 73.81. April crude oil up 50 cents to 73.87 a barrel. According to Reuters, crude oil traded higher on Wednesday, supported by larger than expected fall in U.S. gas and distillate stocks a day after the U.S. government cut estimates for output growth. The Dow gained 187 points Wednesday to 38,708, S&P 500 up 43 points to 4,997, and the Nasdaq rose 153 points to 15,762. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domol, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for joining us for Texas Ag Today. Be sure to follow the Texas Ag Today podcast found wherever you listen to podcasts. For more Texas farm and ranch news, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.